Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. You're tuned into Today in YGK, brought to you by CFRC's local news team, Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here are your local news headlines for today. United Way KFLN Day is excited to announce the fourth annual Tampon Tuesday Collective Drive happening in the region. Starting on Wednesday, March 1st and running until March 31st, community members are encouraged to donate pads, tampons, liners, and other menstrual hygiene products. The collection drive aims to fill a gap in the Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington area. Menstrual hygiene products are among the most requested items at local food banks and shelters, but the least donated. This initiative will once again work locally with National Tampon Tuesday partners Bell Media, Organized Labor, and Shoppers Drug Mart. Bhavana Varma, President and CEO of United Way KFLN Day, says these collection drives are extremely important for so many in our community. There are so many individuals who are vulnerable when it comes to menstrual hygiene. We are grateful for the wonderful response every year and look forward to another successful drive. Last year, the KFLN Day community showed their local love and support by donating over 134,000 products. These products are distributed to program users through local agencies and they make an impact every day. Leigh Martins, Training, Education, and Volunteer Coordinator at Kingston Interval House, which is a United Way partner agency, says, Menstrual hygiene products are a necessity and yet unaffordable. United Way's Tampon Tuesday Drive allows us to have a supply of products available to give out to our clients. This year's drive will once again encourage workplaces and individual collection drives of products. There are drop-off locations throughout the region. Workplaces, neighborhoods, families, individuals are encouraged to start their own collections and then drop them off at collection sites. Donations will be collected at the following locations. Until March 7th at the Cataraqui Town Center, you can drop it off at Center Court during operating hours. From March 1st through the 31st, individuals can drop off the products at United Way KFL and Day office located at 417 Baggage Street. They're open Monday to Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And you can also look for donation boxes at all Shoppers Drug Mart locations in Napanee, Amherstview, and Kingston, as well as all Starbucks locations in Kingston. You can also donate products through an Amazon wish list, and monetary donations can be made online if you go to unitedwaykflnday.ca. Tampon Tuesday started in London, Ontario, and the grassroots movement began in 2009 after Mandy Fields toured a local food bank and discovered an empty shelf in the non-food cupboard. Knowing the cost of these items and their importance to women's health and dignity, she felt the need could not continue to be overlooked and came up with a plan to provide a solution. Tampon Tuesdays continue to grow as an opportunity to collect products for people experiencing period poverty. In 2017, United Way Centrade's Labour Program and Services joined forces with Tampon Tuesday in Belmont media to begin holding events and drives to help people across Canada. Menstrual hygiene products are among the most requested items at local food banks, shelters, and agencies, but the least donated. 83% of Canadians who menstruate believe period products are too expensive. One in five of Canadians who menstruate use products longer than they should because they can't afford more. 17% of Canadians have had to decide between buying a period product and an essential item on their grocery list, and 68% of Canadian women have felt that their period prevented them from pulling full participation in an activity, and this increases to 85% among women and girls under 25. 
So if you are able to, please help those who have a period by donating monetary or donating period hygiene supplies. Again, you can donate at the Cataraqui Town Center at Center Court during operating hours until March 7th, but from March 1st to the 31st, you can go to the United Way KFLNA office at 417 Baggage Street or look for donation boxes at Shoppers Drug Mart locations in Napanee, Amherstview, and Kingston, and all Starbucks locations in Kingston. In other news, site preparation and construction activity will begin at Providence Village at 1200 Princess Street on March 6th. Work will include preparatory activities related to tree protection and removal, along with infrastructure to support construction such as temporary roadways and parking, soil removal, and demolition of smaller outer buildings. Particularly exciting is the beginning of construction of Providence Care's Hospice Kingston residence on March 6th. The 10-suite residence will be accessed via Phillips Street. It is hoped that the residence will be open in mid-2024. Lori French, president and CEO, says after years of preparation and consultation, we are excited to begin to ready the site with the start of several projects to be constructed in the village. The support received to date from partners, neighbors, and champions of the vision has been key, and we are committed to keeping everyone informed as work gets underway. Stacey Oliver, Director of Facilities Management and Strategic Projects at Providence Village, says, I am excited to work with Providence Care as we begin to welcome tenants to the village. We are working closely in partnership with the Providence Care team. Together, we will provide video and written updates on our website and social media platforms to share information and document the process. Planning has been underway for several years to collaborate with partner organizations and invite capital projects into the village to bring the vision of the Sisters of Providence of St. Vincent de Paul to life in the community. PVI's work is centered around key strategic objectives for the site which the sisters have articulated. Nurses, healthcare workers, and allies gathered at hospitals across the province on Thursday, February 23rd to rally for better wages, staffing, and care for nurses. Kingston General Hospital was one of these hospitals, including Hotel Dio. Annette Sakoon, bargaining unit president and local coordinator of Local 99 and Region 2 of the Ontario Nurses Association, was amongst the group rallying. When Ford's government passed Bill 124 in 2019, that capped wage increases for public sector employees at only 1% each year for three years. As a result, staffing shortages in hospitals across the province has increased. The union is in currently collective bargaining. For more information and to hear my full chat with Annette Sakoon of Local 99 ONA's Association, be sure to tune in tomorrow to The Rundown at 5pm on CFRC 101.9 FM. That's it for your local news headlines, and now let's throw it over to Cindy Gibson of Indie Wake Up Thursday day for our artist of the week to watch. Hey everyone, this is Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with your local artist to watch. Today we're going to talk about local musician Tom Savage. Now Tom's a guy that sees music as a tool to bring people together. He really is what I would call a musician's musicians. And I know that's a phrase used a lot, but really for Tom, I think it applies. He's always ready to welcome someone into a jam. You can catch him most Tuesday afternoons doing exactly that at the RCHA on Ontario Street. My mom was a was a piano teacher, choir director, and so was my grandmother, and uh, taught for years. and And I, I grew up listening to, falling to sleep, falling asleep, listening to my mom practice her piano downstairs. And uh, yeah, I I've I haven't really taught much uh, lessons. It's just not my thing. But uh, bringing people together through music, and uh, I think we've kind of become more passive in how we consume music. Oh, yeah. And I'm not into going into the grocery store and having music thrust upon me. 
I like to, you know, I like to put a record on and sit and listen to it or, or play with other people. And, uh, I think it's, it's, it's somewhat lost. It, it, COVID brought it back a little bit. Like there's this one, uh, queen student who, might be cutting class to come to the RCHA. <laughs> we, 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 we're fine with that here. <laughs> but he's, he just started during COVID playing guitar, and he's come. He came up with a bunch of these old guys at the RCHA, and he's like sitting in and just having a lot of fun. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. I've always found Tom Savage as a local artist that's looking out for local artists. He brings awareness about the struggle of trying to make a living as a musician and how we, the listener, can direct our energy and resources to helping the musicians we love keep going. Tom's band, The Dead Root Revival, are hitting the road to Georgia, actually, to record their next album, which is an expensive endeavor for a band, but he's managed to make the project a fan-funded album with a series of local concerts that he just finished up. So I definitely plan to check in on Tom when he returns from Georgia to hear how the album recording sessions went. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call. Stick around next week for another local artist to watch. Thanks so much. In recent campus news, the Office of the Principal and Vice-Chancellor has announced this year's call for proposals for the Principal's Impact Courses, courses that are meant to engage students in transformative educational processes that build capacity in responding to a dilemma, challenge, problem, issue, or question. Through this initiative, successful Queen's faculty applicants ultimately gain up to $10,000 in one-time funding to develop the course of their dreams. And with us today in this segment is Dr. Claudiana Colomitro of the Faculty of Health Sciences and a special advisor to the Office of the Principal working on this initiative, who could share more with our listeners today about the initiative and how faculty can submit their applications. Welcome, Claudiana. Well, thank you very much for having me this morning. Well, thank you so much for your time. Now, can you tell us about the Principles Impact Courses, what the initiative is and what its goals are? Well, this is an exciting initiative that is available again this year to our faculty members. Um, it does provide financial resources, a community of practice and other types of support. And I say it's exciting because it really speaks to our principal's commitment and to Queen's strategy to make teaching and learning for impact an integral part of the Queen's experience. It is very much about using the curriculum to bring about positive social impact, design collaborative education and environment, so a less siloed approach to teaching and learning, and instill academic courage in our learners so that they can take lasting pride in what they're able to achieve. How are Principles Impact courses distinct from other courses in the university's current uh, curricula across disciplines, and, and how did they enhance the current curricula? Well, there is no question that there are wonderful learning opportunities uh, across campus. Um, our, our faculty are, are, um, um, are really using the curriculum as a lever for change and as a way to um, transform uh, the learning experience for, for our Queen student. Um, this opportunity build on those um, excellent courses and curricula, and in a way does shine a light on the excellence that's happening already. Um, at the same time, it is um, it does provide a new and opens a new paradigm for thinking about our learning environments and, and our curricula um, in a way that um, 
we can uh, we can really um, have a sustainable community of practice that uh, brings about deep engagement, brings about positive change, a broader perspective. It invites faculty members to uh, work with their colleagues across campus. Um, it invites them to think uh, more intentionally about integrating uh, the sustainable development goals and other imperatives and priorities. Um, and we know that our ability to be creative, to be innovative and responsive to our societal challenges is really strengthened by working collaboratively and by sharing our knowledge and, and acting on that knowledge. Great. Thank you so much. And for the benefit of our listeners in the broader Kingston area, can we learn more about the initiative and the various ways professors have engaged community partners in Kingston alongside other faculties to develop truly community-building interdisciplinary courses? Um, last year, we um, awarded 10 uh, recipients of the Principal's Impact courses, um, and, and they're so diverse, and they have used different ways to engage our local and global community. Um, we have some uh, courses that um, use computational and machine learning through music. Uh, so very different disciplines coming together in a different way. Um, one of the um, uh, courses is about Bell Park. And in this case, the uh, faculty members and the students are using a cultural and engineering, a social sciences, sort of the humanities and arts and planning uh, all these perspectives are coming together to really uh, support our students and support our, our learners with, with tackling some of the challenges at Bell Park. Um, another one is about the humanitarian health emergencies and how can our learners be better prepared to respond to um, different health crisis. Um, so there are different communities within Queens coming together, disciplines that uh, perhaps otherwise wouldn't so easily uh, work in, in such a way. Um, and they're really trying to address um, um, real real challenges that, that we're tackling locally and, and globally as a society. Great. Thank you so much. And now for our faculty listeners tuning in, how can they apply to the Principal's Impact Courses grant and why should they do so? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because the deadline is coming up. It is uh, April 10th um, and I will be hosting an information session next week on March 2nd. Um, and those who are interested are, are welcome to join me and, and we can we can discuss some opportunities and possibilities together. Um, it, it really requires it's it's a, a three page proposal where they can outline their um excitement about such an opportunity and um and what are they hoping the learners will will be able to do at the end of the experience and and how uh, how this opportunity will will get them there will will help them um achieve those outcomes um i think it's it, it's exciting uh to apply um because it does come with a commitment to be part of a community of practice. So, so this uh, instructors will be meeting um, other colleagues and, and perhaps some that they haven't been uh, been able to connect with uh, yet. Um, and together we'll be uh, thinking about evidence-based 
opportunities and 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 brainstorm about ways to enhance our learner experience. Um, so this is really pushing some of the boundaries about teaching and and globally engaged teaching and learning. I think they'll find. Um, um, a great intellectual community. I think it will it will help them think differently. It will help all of us think differently, and and at the end of the day, it will it will support our our learners and um, support their own professional and personal growth and development, uh, but also support them um, make a difference and really um, tackle um, some uncharted territory and and ways to explore some of those uh, some of those questions. Wonderful. Anything else to add about the principal's impact courses? I was just going to say um, we're all working together to uh, to better prepare our, our learners to navigate influence and shape the future. Um, and in this process, we're, we're learning too. We're learning uh, with and, and from them. And, and we're also learning from our community and, and engaging the community in a more uh, meaningful and, and mutually beneficial manner. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Claudiana. It's a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. And now over to Zayden Vergara with sports. Good evening, everyone. It is time for your CFRC sports update. Your Queen's Golden Gales have started strong in the playoff season. The men's basketball team started their playoffs with a round one game against Western. The match stayed close throughout the entire game with the Gales pulling away late in the fourth quarter, turning a four-point lead into double digits and holding on for the 13-point win, 98-85. The men's next match was their quarterfinal game against the Brock Badgers and St. Catharines. The Gales opened the game strong, leading by nine going into the fourth quarter. The Badgers gave it all they had, but Queens managed to hold on for an 82-80 point win. With the win, they are scheduled to play the Carlton Ravens March 1st at 8pm. The women's basketball team received a bye for the first round and played the Brock Badgers in the quarterfinals. The Gales persevered through a hot start for Brock, eventually took their first lead of the game midway through the second quarter and held off the Badgers the rest of the way for the 5 point win, 71-66. With the win, the Gales advance to the OUA semifinals where they will host the Waterloo Warriors. Queens will take on the Warriors Wednesday, March 1st first at 7 p.m. at the Athletics and Recreation Center with a spot in the Cretelli Cup final on the line. Last but not least, the women's volleyball team beat number two seed Western in straight sets to advance to the OUA semifinals, winning the first set 25-23, the second 25-22, and closing out the third set with 25-21. While all three sets were close, Queens managed to come out ahead each time for the big win and now sit just one win away from playing for the Quigley Cup. The Gales' next match is scheduled for March 4th against the Waterloo Warriors. On that note, that is all for your CFRC Sports Update. Now over to Chris Laurie with our community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. Today I sat down with Andrew Ashby, Manager of Accessibility Services here at Queen's, to talk about Queen's Accessibility Hub and their upcoming events. Without further delay, here's what Andrew had to say. Okay, so to start us off, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. Uh, my name is Andrew Rashby. I'm the manager of accessibility services for the uh, Human Rights and Equity Office at uh, Queens. Awesome. And for those who aren't familiar with what you guys do, would you like to talk a bit about what Accessibility Hub is up to? Sure. 
basically what I do is coordinate any accessibility initiatives throughout the university, uh, mainly those that stem from the provincial legislation, the AODA. Um, I also have my finger in a lot of pies of things going on around the university, around built environment, you know, building accessibility, website accessibility as well. I also coordinate in and manage the accessibility hub website, help write policy, that kind of thing. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, just as an example of what you guys, um, some of the things that you guys do, would you like to talk a bit about the Accessibility Cafe event on Monday? Absolutely. So uh, just backing up a little bit, Accessibility Cafes, kind of what they are is a handful of times throughout the year, um, I'll help organize events around really bringing people together to talk about a certain unique topic with the idea of either furthering people's knowledge or or experience, talking about experience, the lived experience, really with the goal of helping to build a, a more inclusive and accessible Queens community. So the event we have coming up on Monday, um, what I really what I want to do for some time is explore intersectionality with uh, disability. And first on my list was talking about indigeneity and how that intersects with disability. So on Monday, um, we have a gay called around coming in from uh, Edmonton area or MS Gwachi Wiskaikin territory in Edmonton. Um, really talk about how to decolonize our strategies and, and, and our pathways to build a more accessible future. And uh, really shifting views about disability, um, uh, evolving from being a, an individual problem to creating a more interdependent community of care and the necess necessary steps involved to integrate accessibility um, as individuals, families, workplaces, and communities. So the event on Monday is totally free. It's, it's virtual um, via Zoom. Um, and every, anyone really, um, whether you're, you're Queens uh, uh, folk or, or not, um, can, can send me an email at accessibility.hub at uh, queensu.ca and I'll send you the link and go from there. Hope to see you there. Awesome. That's amazing. So looking forward to that event. And then you guys also have another event coming up in March. I wonder if you want to speak a little bit about that. Sure. So our next uh, cafe uh, will be on March, Monday, March 20th from 1 to 2 p.m. It's going to be geared more to students, but anyone really 
um, uh, looking for employment. So the topic is going to be job search with a disability. Uh, certainly, if you, if you have disability, job search uh, employment is a, is a hot topic. You know, uh, questioning, do you need to disclose your disability to a, an, an employer or potential employer? Um, where do you look for a job? Um, do you need any special tools when you look for a job? How do you how do you approach accommodation? Things like that. So we're going to discuss that, and that will be in uh, presented by the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. So again, feel free to uh, uh, check out the Accessibility Hub website for more information. And there'll be a registration link for that. Awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. And along with this, these upcoming events, are there other ways people can get involved with Accessibility Hub? Yeah, the, you know what? There's all kinds of ways because I always uh, say, you know, accessibility is not, it's more than persons with disabilities. To me, and I would submit, it's about access for everyone and that could be access to a building access to a service access to a website to a communication social media post etc um so ways to uh to get involved we have uh several uh, uh working groups on campus that that uh, certainly help uh move accessibility forward uh for the university um there's all kinds of uh, volunteer opportunities as well to get involved with uh uh things to help me out and to help uh different units around around campus and again if you have any questions about that again check out that accessibility hub website and i'll give you the link here it's queensu.com .ca slash accessibility and uh, any opportunities will be on there. Any questions anytime along the way or you see something on campus that uh, you think might be a barrier, please feel free to reach out to me at uh, accessible.hub at queensu.ca. Amazing. And so reaching out to you and the Accessibility Hub website, um, are those the best ways to keep up with you guys? And do you guys also have social media? We do. I, you know what? I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. We're on YouTube as well. So at Access Hub QU, um, we'll get you there on uh, any of those those platforms. Once again, that was Andrew Ashby speaking about Queen's Accessibility Hub and their upcoming events. Be sure to keep up with them on their website and their social media. And next up is Mary with the weather. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty and this is your CFRC weather report. Our Monday morning will be mainly sunny with winds becoming east at 20 kilometers per hour by the afternoon. We reach a high of minus four with a wind chill of minus 10. Monday evening will be cloudy with heavy snow accumulating at times. Up to five centimeters of snow is expected with local blowing snow expected overnight. 
Winds will be out of the southeast at 30 km per hour, gusting to 60 km per hour, and we will reach a low of minus 4 with a wind chill near minus 10. Tuesday morning will be cloudy with a 70% chance of flurries or rain showers and a temperature of minus 1. We will reach a high of plus 5 in the afternoon. Tuesday evening, we will see increasing clouds and feel a temperature low of minus 6. Now over to Alex with our traffic report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Jackson Mills Road from MacGyver to Burbrook will be closed until March 10th. King Street from Place d'Armes to the Tragically Hip Way will be closed on Thursday, March 2nd from 5.30 to 11 p.m. for the Keurig Cancer Classic event happening at the Leon Centre. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. And... University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until April 31st at 7 p.m. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until October 31st. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29th. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. The Play Street initiative is also in place, meaning that Thomas Street from County to Patrick will be closed 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. on Mondays until August 28th. The Chown Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is expected to get underway in the coming weeks. The work will take place throughout all levels of the building and will include multiple efforts and the work is expected to begin early March, which starts Wednesday and conclude in late December. Phased work will occupy a maximum of 25% of the available parking stalls at a time. Up to 115 spaces will be out of commission. There is parking available at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. Other delays that you can expect, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect delays. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. And King Street from Princess to Queen, you can expect a sidewalk closure until Tuesday, February 28th, as well as Queen Street from King to Ontario, a sidewalk closure until February 28th. And the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Moa Avenue and Young Street and east of Lake Watch Lane to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements. That's your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. And now let's throw it over to Mary McKetty with our events calendar for the week. Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. This Wednesday, make sure to stop by the main floor of McIntosh Corey Hall, located at 68 University Avenue, to catch Gideon from the David Suzuki Foundation. From 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., they will be talking about the climate crisis and our role within it. This event does not require registration and is free to attend, so make sure to pay a visit. This Thursday to Sunday, don't forget to secure your tickets for the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. The KCFF is the world's largest film festival dedicated exclusively to Canadian film and includes events such as movie screenings, live music, and stand-up comedy from Canadian greats like Gordon Pinsett and cast members from Letterkenny. For more information about the KCFF, its events, event locations, and ticket purchases, head over to kingcanfilmfest.com. Also on Thursday, the Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce will be hosting their annual Powering Success event at the Renaissance event venue, located at 285 Queen Street. Powering Success is an event that showcases local entrepreneurs, where they are able to discuss their path to success with participants. 
This event will be held from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. with general admission tickets priced at $45. Further information can be found at kingstonchamber.ca slash events. Make sure to stop by The Mansion, located at 506 Princess Street, this Friday for live indie rock performances from Kings of Queens and Girl Dad the Band. Each band is made up of talented Queen students sure to give you a great show. Tickets are $15 at the door and doors open at 8 p.m. Additional information can be found on Instagram at Kings of Queens, and that's Kings0FQueens with no capitals, spaces, or punctuation in their username. Coming up on Saturday, Queen Save the Mothers will be hosting their annual Women's Health Conference. Queen Save the Mothers, QSM, is an alma mater society ratified club with a mission to train local leaders in the developing world to reduce maternal mortality rates in their communities. Their Women's Health Conference will assist in fundraising to support this mission. You can purchase one ticket for $10 or three tickets for a reduced price at $25. Further information and ticket purchases can be made online by going to QSM's Instagram at queens underscore save the mothers with no capitals or numbers in their username. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events that we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning into CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.